Due to the sensitive nature of the upcoming podcast, discretion is advised. All right, we're back again with another uh, podcast talking to our uh, special victim. Uh, section of the police department. Elliot and I welcome young um, young fellow, my partner. Thank I'm you, sir. Skinner. Thank you. Glad to be here and glad to have our guests here today. Oh, I think yeah. this will be a, an interesting conversation for mm-hmm. us as well as the public. Yeah. Oh, no question, no question. And we got our Sergeant Lewis here and, uh, of course, Detective Lee uh, going to be speaking to us about their, their section. Absolutely. And uh, how, how does that fit in our, in the scheme of things, what we're doing in recruiting, showing other parts of our department that we have for young police officers that are getting out of the academy and, and going there two years. Sarge, you want to start off? Well, you got anything? No, I was just going to say, I know when we're, we're out recruiting, people are really interested in the different aspects of the department. Um, and I know because of the television show Special Victims Unit, yep, while yep. ours is called a Special <laughs> Victims Section, section exactly. the subsection of our Criminal Investigations Division, um, we do get a lot of questions about that because mm-hmm. those are Typically, crimes that people are really interested in, as well as helping to solve. So, exactly, we thought exactly. today we'd bring in a sergeant of that section, as well as one of his detectives, and uh, we'll go from there. Yep. All right. So we got Sergeant um, Lewis. You want to start to introduce yourself to our, our audience? Yeah, certainly. Uh, so I'm I'm Sergeant Winfred Lewis. I am the supervisor that's in charge of the special victims section uh, of the police department. Um, had the privilege to be transferred over there this past October. So. I'm actually new to the section. Um, I worked there as a detective a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. um, about 2017 into 2018. Um, did violent crimes uh, as a detective before that. Okay. Um, before that was a patrol officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, do hostage negotiations, uh, do polygraph, um, and a couple of other odds and ends. But... Uh, yeah, I'm very happy now to be a part of uh, Special Victims Section. Okay, good. Now, and how long have you been on with the police department in Chesterfield? It's going to be 12 years wow. come this summer. Wow, excellent, excellent. That's good, longevity. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Detective Lewis, I mean, Detective Lee, I'm sorry. My name is Christopher Lee, um, Special Victims Detective now for the last couple of years okay. and spent a few years in patrol before that. Okay. Um, also just became one of our UAS operators uh, a couple months ago. Um, one of the great things about the police department is that we have so many specialties that you can do mm-hmm. on the side. Both of us here have an auxiliary assignment as well as our specialty day job. Now, UAS, uh, public may not know what that acronym is for. Can you explain that a little? Sure. So, uh, and we use several different acronyms that basically boil down to drones, what, drones. what, what mm. the common man calls drones. Um, just unmanned aerial vehicles. Uh, obviously, we don't use them for random surveillance. The police department's been very clear about that. Uh, in our public releases, uh, and there's very strict rules about how we use them. But it's a new tool that we're, we have to map crime scenes, map crash investigation scenes, um, to have on scene for PERT callouts, the kind that Sergeant Lewis might be negotiating on, um, so that we, ha- we have an extra angle for eyes uh, to keep everybody safe. Right. Awesome. And awesome. also be used to look for lost children, right. maybe. Absolutely. Uh, people with cognitive disabilities, older people. So there are a number of uses for those things that will benefit the public. Absolutely. And, and it's a brand new thing. Uh, we've just only had a, a couple of call-outs. Uh, and we're getting more and more equipment that will help extend our range, right, and more trainings and certifications that will extend our range to especially do those, um, you know, the, the rural area in the woods, mm-hmm. let's say, where we're looking for a lost child or something like that. Now, before you all came here, did you just 
wake up and come straight to the police department? <laughs> or did you no other jobs? In no your other life? jobs? Did you go to school? Did you go to the military? Did you work, or what was your path to uh, policing, Sergeant? So um, I went to Virginia Commonwealth University and was a student there. Um, I knew I wanted to get involved in in law enforcement or whether that be as like a, a, a prosecutor or some sort of, or perhaps some sort of advocacy. I wasn't sure what mm-hmm. avenue I wanted to take, but I had a professor there, um, a professor Kapaki, um, who was a Henrico County detective. Um, and he was just so squared away. And the way he spoke to his job and the, the investigative process and some of the resources that he would use and just the the satisfaction he seemed to he he seemed to get um, when he was explaining the way he would go about investigating his cases had me so interested mm-hmm. and I, I decided then that I wanted to be a detective um, so uh, you know applied for some police departments um, I was I, only other job I ever had was a part time job at Walgreens being a pharmacy technician. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I, I graduated from college, I went right into an academy the, the month after. And to Chesterfield's Academy. Yes, sir. Awesome. awesome. Mm-hmm. And you're local from Virginia, I assume. Well, yes, sir, from Henrico County. Henrico. Okay. Good. Awesome. Detective Lee? I grew up in northern New Jersey. I uh, went to college at Grove City College out in western Pennsylvania. Studied biology and secondary education there, so nothing to do with law <laughs> enforcement law directly. Enforcement in that one, um, and actually was a teacher for over nine years oh, in wow. back in New Jersey. Uh, taught middle school and high school, uh, a variety of classes. It was a small school, so uh, I taught a variety of different classes, including science and philosophy classes. Um, and then one of my good friends there, uh, his father was a retired police officer. Got talking to him about school security issues, and he just made an offhand remark that I should consider law enforcement. And it's, a, it's America, so you can do your research and decide that you want to make a career change if you'd like. Mm-hmm. Um, the situation down here is a lot more fair as far as how to get jobs. Wow. And so after trying unsuccessfully in New Jersey for a couple of years, uh, applied here. And that same year, I started the police academy. And now, you went to Grove City. I did, yes. Right. Is well, that we've gone back there, we've we've gone there, back there exactly. recruiting beautiful campus. Yes, it is. Beautiful well, campus. Well, let, let's get into your, your, your assignments. Uh, what you investigate. I know I was a detective up in, in persons, and you are part of the persons um, um, unit, correct? Um, so getting into the special victims, how does that play into crimes against persons? I mean, I dealt with, you know, with assaults, felonious assaults, rapes, or well, not rapes, but murders and things of that sort. So your, your specialty is where? So our specialty, um, a couple of different a couple of different areas. So we deal with sexual assaults and rapes um, of adult victims as well as sexual assaults and physical abuse of children. Okay. Um, also um, elder abuse, uh, domestic violence, and human trafficking, um, which uh, Detective Lee here um, is one of our human trafficking detectives. Wow, and, and I definitely want to hear about that. Um, Detective Lee? Sure. So there's a couple of us that uh, kind of informally tend to get assignments of cases that come in as possible human trafficking. We did an initiative uh, last year, so 2019, um, during our annual in-service where we taught an hour and a half block to everyone in the department, everyone sworn in the department, to try to uh, remind them of some of the red flags to look for for Mm -hmm. victims, adults and juveniles. Uh, We went through the red flags are a little bit different for adults and juveniles, generally speaking, um, and we wanted to raise awareness remind them, uh, tell them about the trends that we had been seeing. 
and we saw a noticeable increase in police reports of suspicious circumstances that the officers were then realizing this this may very well be human trafficking uh, and obviously you work that case and it might be something different it might be a sexual assault it might be a very serious domestic violence situation um, and we've worked cases that looked like they were going to be more traditional special victims uh, like sex crime cases that turned into trafficking cases and we've worked them where all we could prove was a sex offense either way as long as we're getting our victims exactly. in a safer situation, mm -hmm. right. and if necessary, making an arrest of the person abusing them, uh, that's a win for society. Now, I know with your unit, it has expanded. What, one of the colonel's initiatives was to make the unit bigger. Have you, so you're adding people to it. And I know with human trafficking, the, the method of policing has changed over the last 25 years, that we don't re-victimize the victim. Right. Um, but also a big part of your unit like policing in general, but I think specifically your unit, you have a lot more partners, community partners that you deal with. Can you speak about working with Child Protective Services or some of the victimization groups, advocacy groups? Do you do a lot of work and outreach with them? Certainly. So probably our, our primary partner that we work with the most is CPS, Child Protective Services. Okay. Um, a lot of the times they are working cases congruently with us. They're running parallel investigations. If the victim of the crime is a child and the abuser or the suspect in the crime is a caretaker. Okay. Right. Um, so, I mean, I know when I you know, was a detective as well as now, a lot of times I'd have the, the, the CPS investigator you know, in my car and we're basically, they're, they're my, my partner investigator essentially wow. for that case. Um, we also work very closely with the CA's office, obviously, because we want we have to be strategic about the way that we go about prosecuting these cases, especially when you have children of those those tender ages that can potentially be put on the stand. They have to be, you know, uh, uh, they're, they're, we're basically pulling the family. It's not just, you know, one victim right, like it is in right. an adult in, in, in when the victim's an adult. Right. So when you have a child the entire family is it's part of that. Involved. Exactly. Yeah. So um, it's important that we are strategic and that we, you know, we, we, we have to take care and essentially hold the hands of victims throughout the process, explain every step of the process because it's extremely traumatic to families. A lot of, you know, uh, there, there's not a lot of, thankfully so, a lot of people don't have a lot of experience with, you know, something tragic like that happening. Right. right. Um, uh, we also work with the CAC, uh, which is the Child Advocacy Center. It's where um, children are interviewed um, pertaining to the crimes that were committed against them. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's, it's very important that the interviews are conducted in a certain way that is called a forensic interview, mm -hmm. to right. where children are questioned about the crime that, they, that was committed against them in a way that it is not leading in any way. Right. Um, so there are, there's a, there are skilled interviewers that are, that, have tr that are trained and able to conduct that sort of interview, and mm -hmm. it's a specialized environment that is set up to make children and families more comfortable. So it's a, it's a partnership with not only law enforcement, but with other agencies throughout the, the, the Commonwealth. Absolutely. Okay, good, good. Yep. And that's just a few examples. We end up having these multidisciplinary team meetings where you have representatives from all different agencies, the ones mentioned, mental health, you know, a whole, a whole group. And we can talk over the more difficult cases to make sure that there were services uh, throughout the process as there should have been and also kind of on the back end, right? Once we've done our part, 
that victim needs to get or survivor needs to get therapy or whatever other services are needed to get them in a, in a better place, right? We don't want to leave them with a little bit of justice and then, no and then that's it, right? So it's a, a team effort. And Elliot mentioned there's been a lot of change in law enforcement in the last 25 years. Uh, I've only been in for six years, so I can, <laughs> I can only comment on the, well, the little bit. Thank you for pointing that out. A yeah. yeah. little bit we that I've seen. That <laughs> but, but even in that time, it's been very clear that um, our area of work is one of those areas where there's been a lot of evolution, right? right. You don't want your, your you don't want a child, for example, to have to talk to four different investigators, right? Mm-hmm. It, you want to interview them once if it's if that's at all possible. Right. And the CAC and other uh, mechanisms that have been discussed are how we do that. Have you seen an up increase in your caseload or the <clears throat> diversity of the cases that you're now getting? Um, I know when Daryl and I first got here. There were particular cases that stayed over one side, but right. now they've been combined into your unit, which has had to increase. Um, do you see a lot of diversity, or do you see more internet-based crimes? Or, well, certainly. I mean, as you everyone knows, we're in the age of social media, right? right. So, um, a lot of the things that we end up investigating are social media-based. Maybe somebody, a, a child, was you know elicited or enticed over you know, Instagram or Facebook or various other social media sites. So a lot of things are internet-based, and we have we have detectives in the unit that are specialized in that. Um, also, And as far as the caseload in general, I mean, I can only speak to as long as I've been involved with special victims, which is, you know, back from 2017 into 2018 when I was a detective to now being a supervisor. And I, I can tell you that, you know, each detective right now is probably carrying, you know, 18 to 20 cases. That's, um, a, lot. that's, a, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a and lot. On, on, a, on a daily basis, there's typically one or two new cases to assign out, which is, you know, a pretty high rate. Um, so, you know, as you mentioned earlier, that one of the chief's initiatives was to increase the unit. We've already increased the unit by two additional detectives, which has been a tremendous help. Um, we have actually school resource officers that are working with us in our unit now, um, some of which oh, that wow. are interested in, you know, becoming, becoming. special victims detectives. Wow. So right. um, it actually serves, you know, to basically they get an education in the career path that they want to pursue and it also helps us tremendously by just adding to our our manpower um and yeah and the detective i mean i'm sorry the chief plans on increasing our unit by an additional four detectives and a supervisor um this coming year um so we're all very excited about that that's good i know a lot of the internet crimes sometimes are preventable you, either of you have suggestions on parents of how to better manage their kids' social media? Yes. I know they're, they're, they have applications that you can apply to your kid's phone mm-hmm. so you would know what your you kids are doing, who they're things. texting, and exactly. they can block. But what suggestions do you have how people can make things safer for their families? Yeah, cer- certainly. So the, the most important sig- single suggestion is to be an involved parent mm-hmm. and this is one area where you have to be an involved parent. Now, when you say involved parent, what, what is that? You have to know what technology your child is using Good. and make your best effort to, to stay, if not a step ahead of them, at least even with them, right? Mm-hmm. They're, if they're uh, under 18 and they're in your home, you're responsible for what they do. Mm-hmm. So uh, we can't endorse a specific filtering product or a specific way of doing it. Right. But I, I know I have friends whose children are a little bit older than mine, and... There, there's three men at my church that in the same year I talked to them about how they did it, and they did it three 
completely separate, separate ways, right? Right. I know there's a yeah. built-in one for Android. There's a built-in one for iOS. Whatever you do, you have to do something and not just trust that your child's not going to be exactly. the next victim. We've worked, even just in my two years in special victims, numerous cases where um, there's a 10, 11, 12-year-old child uh, being solicited in very graphic sexual ways on normal social media platforms. And then some of them are on social media platforms that a child that age should never have access to, right? They're adult dating kind of apps. Right. Um, so the, the parents just have to be really aware and make that uh, be conscious that that's one of their responsibilities as a parent. I know a part of your unit also is the domestic violence unit. Right. And I know during COVID, our, we've had an increase of uh, domestic violence cases or allegations. Um, do you want to say anything about the domestic violence angle? I know in a future show we're going to have... And, and we do have a coordinator for domestic right. violence. So. We have a, a, a coordinator, Tana Mooney, uh -huh. and we have a detective that Sergeant Lewis is especially assigned to deal with domestic violence, and that's going to be one of our upcoming shows, um, but can you just speak about the number of resources, not specific resources, but we do have them. Sure, absolutely, and those are all coordinated through our domestic violence coordinator, Tana Mooney, mm -hmm. um, and, and as, as you said, um, Detective Frazier, who is our domestic violence detective, th what they do is essentially they screen all the domestic violence reports, the domestic assault reports that are coming in through patrol, which the majority of our domestic you know, calls are handled by patrol and usually an arrest is made and the investigation is handled on that level. Mm -hmm. However, in the more extreme cases where there's a strangulation or an abduction or possibly a, a stalking or, you know, um, habitual violations of a protective order, things that would suggest that the situation is escalating, which unfortunately I have the experience to where my first homicide when I was a violent crimes detective was in fact a domestic related mm -hmm. homicide to where if some of those warning factors were, you know, kind of, you know, look prior to the, correct, the then yes. perhaps it could have prevented it exactly. from happening. So I'm very right. excited that, you know, our unit um, has a very dedicated, um, it's, it's, it's not a separate domestic violence unit, but that detect that particular detective, Detective Frazier, that's his specialty. He right. looks into those things that are being handled by patrol, and they are basically able to screen those things and more detail in it, right? And to, to do a a more thorough investigation because you know we have patrol officers that are working a platoon schedule to where they're two days off two days on, two days off, and so on, to where Detective Frazier works Monday through Friday, and in the day shift to where he can do some of these search warrants and some of these mm -hmm. investigative tasks that you would just do in a more thorough investigation to make sure that a conviction um, is more viable when it goes to court to where that, that's essentially how he supplements their efforts to make sure that these domestic violence survivors are you know, getting appropriate Get justice, exactly. and Miss Mooney ensures that they have access to the proper resources. Awesome, awesome. Well, and I want to get into, uh, I'm about to wrap up in, in, a, in a few minutes, the wellness program. We're going to have, of course, when our lieutenant colonels come in and talk about that. What are you all doing for yourselves? I know investigating cases um, up in, in the, the sections that I was in, in persons and in property, you still have to, you know, have some wellness done for yourself and get back into your your groove and mm -hmm. I, mine is a spiritual thing I, I go to my church talking to my men's what are you guys doing I know you uh, um, sergeant you are into uh, 
getting your body right, getting your mind, your eating right, getting yourself prepared. Uh, anything else that you can give our audience to say just once you get into, in, into police work and being a detective, getting these cases, especially with kids, that you're dealing with kids, how do you relieve yourself from that? Right. So most importantly, um, I, I'm, which I'm, I'm happy to say that, you know, there, you know, in police work, there's always been a stigma and a culture of, no, I got it. I'll, yeah, I can handle I can it. Handle it. Yeah. Right. I'll keep oh, yeah. and I keep it within myself. I, I'm happy to say that, at least here, I can speak to the culture of this department, that that stigma is is slowly going away to where there's more promotion of of, hey, if you need to speak with somebody, then speak with somebody. So we have peer support, we have EAP, um, we have uh, Dr. Moss, who's tremendous to where, you know, he we can, we have access to go and speak with him if we're having trouble with something. Dr. Especially, Moss is our police department psychologist, psychologist, a yes. contractor psychologist. Yes, yes sir, and uh, we are one of a few units, um, I believe it's us and forensics, um, that are actually, we have standing, what is mm -hmm. it, it, quarterly, um, appointments to where we go and speak with the, if if we need to um, if we feel troubled by something that we've seen something we've been investigating and need to speak with him right. um, but but you know I think probably characteristics specifically of our unit and probably what's most helpful yes. to the the wellness um, is the tight knit family family that extended family that that's, you have. that special victims is. Yep. Um, I, maybe by virtue of the, you know, we're a, we're a little bit of a smaller unit than the other um, units in CID, and by virtue of the nature of the crimes that we're investigating, and we all understand what each other is seeing mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. what we've gone through. It's we are awesome. we are very close knit. Um, we all lean on each other. Um, everybody is friends with that. I mean, the past couple of weekends, some, some people moved and they put into the group chat, like, hey, uh, can somebody <laughs> help me move? And with, within 30 seconds, yeah, I'm yes. here, I'm there, yes. I'm there, I'm yes. there. That's good. That's, um, that's good. That's just a microcosm of yep. the way that the unit is and that's how the they family. all support each other. And I think that's, you know, by far the most important aspect to, as far as that wellness factor. Mm -hmm. Good. Excellent. Is there anything else you want to add to it before we... Um well, I just want to echo that. I was going to say the exact same thing about how close we are to each other. Yeah. Um, and, and everyone's different, right? So some people are going to rely more on a church community. Uh, some people are, have a, a larger family, and they rely on that sure. for wellness. Those are two of my things. But I, I absolutely echo that it, it's a very close section, uh, and it's really a privilege to be part of. And if our audience would, has been listening to the, the different podcasts Elliot and I have been doing, um, the one thing you hear is family, extended family, right. and everything that we do in law enforcement, in the um, going through the academy, you the support that you have. So again, I want to thank you guys. I mean, this this is another a another good one, Elliot. It's a great one. It's, it's a great one. It helps one. the public to see another aspect of policing that you don't generally see outside of television shows. Exactly, exactly. You want to give that plot about our um, recruiting? Yeah, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. We have some other great upcoming podcasts. I want to thank Sergeant Lewis and Detective Lee for being here today. Remember, if you're interested in employment with Chesterfield County Police Department, simply go to ChesterfieldPD.com and we will contact you as soon as possible. Awesome, awesome. Another great one. We appreciate it, guys, and uh, we look thank forward so to uh, working with you guys yes, in thank the you future. Us. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to the Chesterfield County Police Department Podcast. This episode was written by Daryl Skinner, sound engineer Chris Rizzuti. We are the Chesterfield County Police Department representing Chesterfield County, Virginia. Check us out online at chesterfieldpd.com.